You're listening to The Bridge Metro West, located at 7 Strathmore Road in Natick, Massachusetts. For more information about The Bridge Metro West, our weekly Sunday gatherings, and other events, go to www.bridgemetrowest.com. Turning your Bibles to Exodus 3, I had some things that I was going to say, and I'm going to say less of them. Because God is speaking already. But I was up here as things were going on, and I began to weep because that's my manifestation. It's not the one that I would choose, but when the beauty of the Lord comes, it just breaks me because there's nothing greater, there's, there's nothing better than his presence. I, I've done a lot of things for better or for worse in my life, but I can say with 110% assurance that there's nothing better, there's no greater high, there's no greater event, there's no greater place on earth than to be in the beauty of the Lord. But there's a caveat to that because you can miss it. There's no guarantees. And sometimes God is sovereign. He just drops in. He'll knock you down. We see that in scripture. We've seen that in life. I've been doing this kind of kingdom stuff now for I don't even know how long getting to that stage of life where we count things in decades and I know from scripture and from experience that in our humanity we have the capacity to miss God when he's standing right in front of us and I felt that this morning and that's why these prophetic words came out. I didn't ask them to do that. It was directed of the Lord and I'm sitting here chuckling because the more that we plan, the more Holy Spirit just kind of comes in and says, that's cute. I really want to be on a schedule. I do. I promise you that. I remember what it was like to be a young family, to be bringing our infant son here as a worship leader back in 2007, getting here at 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning, being in a service that started-ish at 10. We sort of started, except that 75% of the people were all crammed in the prayer room. 10.20, would, people would start filtering out. Pastor John Thomas, who was here at the time, would be like, hey, Paul, why don't you start at 10? I'm like, for what? For who? I mean, I, I could sing to the Lord and I'm good with that. There's like nobody here except our first time visitors. I'm not saying it was a, necessarily the healthiest thing that we did, but it was fun. So I know what that's like when God is moving, but you're still caring for your infant. You're still caring for your family. You're, you still got life going on. 
And so I'm sensitive to that as well. But it's not limited to young families and young mothers. It's anybody in any stage of life. We have the capacity to have the manifest presence of God in our midst and miss it. This is what John was writing in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. Then the Word became flesh and dwelt, walked among us. He was saying to the Hebrew people that Torah scroll that you so revere, that thing that you read from, that you feed from, the thing that we identify as the unshakable, unmovable, complete, perfect word of God, that scroll that you so revere became flesh in this man, this God, this King named Jesus, Yeshua, the anointed one, and he walked in front of you and you missed it. And not only did you miss it, you crucified him. You broke his body. But it's not too late. Because he wants to come in and break you now. Not in a bad way. Unless you don't like crying and stuff. It's not my favorite. But for better or for worse, it's my manifestation. Back in the 90s, revival's breaking out and people are laughing, that holy laughter thing. I don't, I don't care what you think about it. I was in the middle of it and I saw the fruit of it. I saw marriages restored in a moment with one touch from God. I saw cancer dissolve. I've seen you know, metal in people's bodies disappear. I've seen blind eyes see. We've seen it in this house. I've seen a, a physical cloud of glory manifest in the room. I've seen gold dust appear for weeks on end on the piano as I played it. I saw a blue sapphire dust cover the half of an eight-year-old uh, African-American boy in the middle of, of worship. I was in a church in, in Puerto Rico leading worship and I saw little kids all across the front being covered with the oil of God just manifesting on their bodies. I've seen the unseen realm appear in the scene. But that all, it's all well and good but there's something that happens when you come into the manifest presence of the living God and His nature crushes your nature and squeezes the tears from your eyes at the beauty of the Lord. So in Exodus chapter 3, we're dealing with Moses. Moses was raised in royalty. He was raised in the midst of the royal house, the Pharaoh's house of Egypt. And many of you know the story. He tried to help God with his plan. He tried to help his Hebrew people. He understood somehow that these were his people. And, and so he murdered an Egyptian who was beating these Hebrew slaves. And he was driven out. out of his comfort zone, out of all the things that he'd been in, trained in, and he, he's off to Midian, and now he's a shepherd. Why is he a shepherd? Well, because he was called and fashioned to be a, a leader. The gifts of God are given without repentance, and they will manifest one way or another, just maybe not the fullness that you thought. And now decades go by, decades go by, decades go by, and he is in a rut. He's just doing what he's doing. This is the finality of his purpose on earth is to be a shepherd. 
of animals. And while many of us at his age would be retiring, making excuses because of our age, feeling like, well, we can back down. Moses at 80 is walking along. And here's where we are. Now Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. I don't know how many of you have ever been in a family business, but man, it can be rough. I remember leaving my job to go work at our family's business and my boss, Mary Ellen, at the time, she goes, I worked in a family business once. It's hard working with family. She was trying to keep me in the company, but I knew I was supposed to go and she was trying to talk me out of it. It was hard. I like my father-in-law. He's a great guy. I, I could probably work for him. But it's hard working with family. So now Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire. That word angel is Elohim there. There's different interpretations. Most theologians believe that this is what's called a theophany, that it's actually, uh, it's actually not quite the right, right word, but it's actually the presence of God manifesting on earth. Elohim is interchangeable. It's, it's translated as God or gods or angels. This appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. We have the capacity to miss God when he comes because he does come. And I know there's teaching out there and we have access to so much teaching with the internet and Facebook and YouTube and all that stuff. I understand that. There's so much teaching out there that's saying, you know, you don't, you don't need to, I've heard it, I've seen it. You don't need to hunger for God because you've already got all of God that you're ever gonna get. We don't understand the ways and the nature of God we don't understand that there's an aspect of God that, yes, is omnipresent, but there's the manifest presence of God that drops into our manifest reality of the present time, the eternal entering into the temporal, the one who exists outside of our timeline, inserting himself in our timeline, even though he is seated high above all principalities and powers and rulers and authorities, and he sees the end from the beginning. He is the alpha. He is the omega. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. That's what Lisa was talking about, that we live from a place of finishing that there's this aspect of us that's seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus because Christ Jesus came down and sat with us. And so he now has authority to take us out of a place where we are and take an aspect of who we are and place it with him so that we have a grand perspective on the circumstances of life where we have access to understand that we can see the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end, that we're living from a place where Jesus said, it is finished, the work is 
is done. We're living from a place where he said, as far as the east is from the west, I cast your sin from you. We're living from a place where chains are broken. The works of darkness are eradicated from our lives that we might be in a circumstance, but we are not of it. We may have depression that has attached itself to me, but it is not me and it is not mine. That is not my depression. That is not my anxiety. That is not my cancer. That is not my sickness. That is not my disease. It is something that has come upon me, but it does not belong to me. It is not my possession as a son of the living God, one who's been given a spirit of adoption, who's been placed in a royal household. He's, I've been taken from the domain of darkness and I'm placed in the kingdom of his light. But in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus even said it, but he said, fear not, for I have overcome the world. But we have this ability in our humanity to be so hardened to the, the whisper, to the breath, and even the roar of God that he could breathe and roar and blow over us and we can miss it. We're not above it. This is why Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling because we can miss it. And so there's a key here that set the trajectory for the rest of Moses' life. He said, I must turn aside now. He didn't enter into some self-discussion. He didn't say, well, I don't know if this altar calls for me. I mean, I'm looking at this thing that's happening and it's a fire and the bush isn't consumed, but I don't know if I should hang out here. Kind of in a dry place. Fire might spread, it could get dangerous to my life, to my way, to my sensibilities. I've got a job to do. I'm, I'm, I'm working for my father-in-law. I've got to be responsible with my time. And this is how I plan my day. And this was not on my schedule. He understood that something greater than his plan was happening in that moment. He said, I must turn aside now. And he enters into this process for the rest of his life that leads him all the way to Exodus 33 and beyond. He understood the idea of daily being willing to turn aside. Now, sometimes we think of Israel in the desert and if you're not familiar with how they operated, they had this presence of God that was a pillar of cloud by day and a fire by night. And when that thing moved, they moved. And and we think that would be easy, but you know, maybe after 10 years of doing that, it might start to feel a little normal. You would think not, but but that's the reality. So we, we have that, I mean, so many of us, or a few of us, We tasted revival. We were in the midst of moves of God. Some of us, multiple moves of God. But sometimes the most most difficult thing to overcome is having a taste of a move of God, but not being fully involved in the fire 
think it's, you know, Bill Johnson that talks about this and he says, we can be inoculated against revival because we just take a little bit based on our convenience. We take a little bit if it fits into our time frame, but, but if it's going to really upend our life, then we're not about that. I mean, not you in this room, of course, because you're all here, but I'm just saying it's possible. And I've gone through phases in my life where I've allowed things to come between my face and his and it's like the walls of my soul get thick and I don't feel, I don't sense the breath, the wind, or even the roar of God over a place. God, soften my heart again. Soften our hearts again. Break us. God, make us be a people. Fashion us into a people that be willing to turn aside now. To be like Moses who sought to learn the ways of God so that he might gain favor in his sight. There's this kind of circular language in Exodus 30, in Exodus 33 where Moses says, if you say that I've gained favor in your sight, if I've gained favor in your sight, let me learn your ways so that I might gain favor in your sight. And that doesn't fit well in, in sort of our, the popular grace theology of the day. That I mean, we have grace and we have access to this grace but there's still a pathway where we can gain the favor of a king. And it's popular to say, and we had that song that was popular a few years ago, I am a friend of God. And we had, you know, entire groups of people singing about being a friend of God who weren't friends of God. They just came to really nice church services and then went back to their lives. Jesus didn't even call his, his disciples friends until after three years where they walked with him, they followed him, they obeyed him 24-7. And then he said, you know what? Okay, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. I, I love the Jesus that sat with children and he said, let the children come unto me. I... I love somewhat this, this concept, this idea of being able to sit in the lap of Abba Father. But I also can't let go that my God is holy. And my God is a consuming fire. That when we come into this next level of the manifest presence of the living God, like, like John did while he, he had the vision of revelation while exiled on Patmos, that, that you fall as though dead before him because your body just can't respond to the immensity of this eternal, holy, consuming fire of a living God, that there's this aspect of his goodness that is so great that it crushes the heart and the tears flow and your voice cries out to the one who would save you. And invariably the next words are, do not fear. 
It's because of sin that we fear. It's because mankind fell that we put things between our face and his, that we, we've elevated all kinds of mundane, temporal things as idols before him so that when he comes, what should be the sound of Abba has begun to feel like the sound of judgment, but he's beckoning us. This is what Hebrews 10.39 actually means, that we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. It means that we can come boldly before the throne of grace, that when we feel the manifest presence of the living God entering into the reality of our present time, that we can come boldly and step into that and trust that all of the ways that he dismantles us, all of the ways that he undoes us, that he will build us back better than we were before into the image of the Son. That's what being transformed from one level of glory to another level of glory looks like. But I can't tell you what it feels like. You've just got to experience it. So we come with all of our weaknesses and all of our failures. Like that old vineyard song said, and all of the things that we're ashamed of, we come you can take all of that to the cross, but you, you don't get to take it on the other side. All of the things that we use to identify ourselves, like we, when identity is a big issue in culture today. We have all kinds of people that are having to self-identify because we don't have strong mothers and fathers that are speaking identity to a generation who's so longing for significance. But when we get to the other side of the cross and Jesus gives us a new name, he gives us a purpose, he awakens the gifting that was put in us even in the womb. The gifts are given without repentance. They just come alive in him. And he looks down on you and says, where are your accusers? When you look up into his presence in that moment, all you see is him. Accusations become irrelevant. The trauma of your history is null and void. In the light of his glory, Now you're so in him that you become like Moses in Exodus 33. And he says, what's going to make us distinct from all the peoples of the earth? If you don't go with us, I don't want to go. I think a lot of people would be really stoked if God said, I'm going to send an angel to go before you. That's what God said to him. I'm going to send an angel. Moses is like, I don't, I don't want the angels. I want you. If I found favor in your sight, like you said, I want you. I don't want to be known as a people that have an angel going before them. I want to be known as a people who have been with God. God, let the Bridge Metro West. I can't speak for every church. I can't speak for every people. I, I honor 
and love that all across this region, the name of Jesus is being lifted up. Whatever the motivation is, God cashes in on the words that we say and speak and sing. I don't care if people mean it or not. It helps if you mean it. If you apply faith to it, it helps. But he's being glorified in this region right now. His name is being spread. But for the Bridge Metro West, it's like the scripture says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want the Bridge Metro West to be known as a people who have been with God. But you have to be willing to turn aside. You have to be willing to learn the ways of God. You have to be hungry to want to know the heart of God. And in that, you'll begin to understand your significance. What is your significance? You are a man, you are a woman who has been with God. Any other Significance is insignificant. So God, I say that we want to know you. I say that we accept your gift of life to us. I say that we accept your death, O Jesus, and your resurrection from death that reverses the curse of sin and death in our lives, Jesus. Forgive us of our sin. Even now, God, would you forgive us of all the things that just in the mundane issues of life, these things that we place between our face and yours. But I'm so glad that your mercies are new every morning, that your grace is actually sufficient for me. I'm so glad that your love endures forever. And it's so greater. It's so unstoppable. It's like this unstoppable torrent, this class five river of life, this rapid that blows over us and it washes away the chaff and the impurities when we say yes to you each day and we put our hands in our bellies and we say Holy Spirit fill us afresh God I don't have to intellectually understand it all but I just have to yield to your moving and I will grow in the knowledge of your grace I will know grow in the knowledge of your goodness and your beauty but in this moment what I know that I need what I know that we need God so would you please reveal your love to us now the God who said to Moses I am slow to anger I'm great in mercy and compassion God that we would know you like that it's not the God that the voice of the spirit of this age has told our fellow countrymen and people around the world, the spirit of religion has given a, a twisted view of this God who is great and mercy, who is loving, who is compassionate, who leads with his kindness, the kindness that draws us to repentance. Yes, you are a consuming fire, but you want to transform us. You want to put on display your goodness upon your people that the world would be provoked to jealousy. They would look at you this week and say, what is wrong with you? His name is Jesus.
He is the image of the invisible God. He is the radiance of his being, the exact representation of his nature. By him, to him, through him are all things, and all things were created by him, through him, and for him. He is the firstborn from the dead, and now he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto him. His name is Jesus, Yeshua, the Anointed One. There is no other name by which we can be saved. There is no other name that is the gateway to the Father, this loving God who beckons to us, that stoops down to bring his blessing, the kiss of his love. There is no other name by which we have access to his great and precious promises. His name is Jesus. Jesus, his name is Yeshua, the anointed one. He upholds all things by the word of his power. He was there at the beginning, speaking light into darkness. And ever since, there has never been a space or a time where darkness has overcome the light. The light always wins. The light won, is winning, and will win for all time. We are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus from the space of victory. And at the name of Jesus, there will come a time that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. At the name of Jesus, chains are breaking off of you right now. At the name of Jesus, sickness must bow by his blood, by his body that was broken for us and his blood that was shed for you. But at the name of Jesus, depression is being eradicated right now and the joy of the Lord is coming in. You don't have to understand it all. You just got to turn a side from your way now and say yes to him at the name of Jesus all of the things that you've been anxious about and just that anxiety that has no reason it must bow for there is a peace that is beyond your intellectual capacity to comprehend is coming upon you oh behold the light of your salvation this is the day of your salvation this is the day of the coming of the Lord the things that you prayed for that you cried out for you just got a taste you got a wisp the king has stepped into the room don't miss it the word became flesh and now he's walking among us in this room right now turn aside from your way turn toward his face and say yes to the king of kings and the lord of lords Thank you for listening to this message from the Bridge Metro West in Natick, Massachusetts. Paul David Gidgery is the senior pastor at the Bridge. For more information about the Bridge Metro West family, our gatherings and events, visit www.bridgemetrowest.com or call us at 508-651-0277.